Hey guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Nate. And we are going to tell you all the things you really want to hear for teens. So if there's anything that we haven't talked about yet or questions that you have that you'd like to know about, let us know by emailing us at realadvice4teens at gmail.com. And that's the number four. So once again, realadvice4teens at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear our new episodes every week. Hey guys, welcome back to another week with Nate and I. We're excited to be here. It's going to be a more difficult topic, but a really important one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nate's very talkative today. Sorry we didn't have it out last night. We had some crazy issues with a puppy in our neighborhood. Puppy's okay. Don't worry, but we got to remove. This is kind of disgusting, but a little bit fascinating. We got to remove four ticks oh, from him. Mm -hmm. wow. That was quite the fiasco. Yeah. Yeah, the dog just yeah went missing. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can tell the story, I guess, now. I don't know. I'm not going to. I don't know if they want to hear the story. About the missing dog. It was sad and tragic. But we found him. Well, we didn't find him. Someone found him. And he had ticks on him. Which, if you know me, ticks are kind of like the worst thing. They're a parasite. They suck your blood. Ugh. So Disgusting. Yeah, but mosquitoes don't burrow their head under your skin and stay there. Yeah, ex-husbands do. What? Or ex-wives. I don't have an ex-husband. Or ex-wives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, so today we are going to talk about addiction. Now, addiction can be in lots of different forms. Most of the time when we think of addiction, we think of, what do you think of, Nate? With addiction? Yeah. Air. Whatever. What do you think of when you think of addiction? I don't know. I mean, probably drugs. Then there's, well, there's a lot of things you can be addicted but to. But most of the time people think of drugs, right? Alcohol, mm -hmm. pornography. Yeah. So. There's lots of things. And you brought up air, which is interesting. Caffeine. Yeah, caffeine. Caffeine's a drug. I know. I know. Well, but it is kids a... don't think of it that way. No, though. they don't. Soda. Okay, we'll just say soda. Yeah. Pop. Soda pop. Beverage. Bubbly. Wait. Oh, yeah, that's true. They do call it bubbly. Don't uh, they call that in a different country? I think in England they call it bubbly or something. But. Yeah. So there's all these things, and you can have addiction really to anything, but the definition of addiction is something, this is like in my words, okay, but I teach this, so hopefully my words are pretty dang accurate. I would hope so. Yeah. So something that is harmful that causes a physical or a mental dependence. Yeah. And another definition says um, that the user will have withdrawals upon quitting. Okay, so dependence meaning you need it. So Nate said error. We all need error, right? Yeah, you have I withdrawals have if you quit it too, for sure. It's called death. Mm-hmm. But is air <laughs> harmful? Well, our air here is. Oh, this, my in this goodness. State. Nate is Pollution. in a sarcastic mood today. <laughs> but air is not harmful, so it's not an addiction. Yes, we have to have it. How about food, though? Is food an addiction? I think certain aspects from food can be an addiction, right? Because you can yeah. be addicted to the comfort you get from the food. Therefore, you keep using it over and over and over. Exactly. Just normal eating food isn't an addiction. Yes, we have to have it to survive. True, but it's not harmful. So the main point in that is when it becomes harmful to you. Maybe that means your addiction to food causes... You just start gaining a lot of weight and then you get diabetes or other diseases. Then maybe possibly not always that could become an addiction 
or exercise. Exercise can become an addiction. And you're probably thinking, what? Exercise is healthy for you, which yes, it is. But there is a point that it can become harmful. If I am working out four hours a day and I'm not getting anything else done and at work, I'm only thinking about working out. I'm not focused on what I'm supposed to. When I get home, I go work out. I don't take care of my kids. That has become harmful to me. So therefore, that could be an addiction along with the dependence part and then well, the withdrawals. And it might be hard to imagine working out as an addiction. For sure. But there are documentaries and videos on, on bodybuilders who actually become very, very addicted to the aspect of working out. I, I saw a video of, of a guy, well, various people in this video, who work out one area of their body specifically. So they have like biceps that look like soccer balls, but the rest of their body is really obscured in comparison to the rest. That's weird. It's it's for real. So so you can get addicted to certain things. So really what it is, is it's like an addiction is your mind's way of trying to find solace, help, whatever in something. And maybe it's video games, maybe it's, you know, food or driving or drugs or whatever. Your mind is making the connection that it needs using that activity as a stand-in for what it normally would do. And then it just becomes part of who you normally are. You can't negate it. You can't get away from it. Yeah, and that's a really good point. So if we go to the biological point of that, so the brain, what is happening in the brain is when you do something you enjoy, let's say you love soccer and you're playing soccer, your brain is going to release dopamine. Dopamine makes you happy. Is a chemical that makes you feel good and happy. Now, let's say you're playing soccer and you make the winning goal. Your brain is going to release a lot of dopamine because that's something really exciting and it's going to make you really happy. Now, if you're not getting this dopamine and oftentimes like people with depression, their brain isn't releasing enough dopamine and serotonin and so then they won't feel that happiness or that excitement. So let's say without, well, a lot of times people with depression, well, a lot of times people with addictions can have underlying conditions such as depression. I almost said that backwards. So your brain isn't getting enough dopamine. And this doesn't mean every person who has depression is going to become addicted to something. That's not what I'm saying. But Let's just say your brain isn't getting enough dopamine and your body is saying, hey, I need something that makes me feel good. And drugs, alcohol, pornography, video games, all of those give your brain a huge dose of dopamine. Shopping. Yeah, but not as much as those four things. Those four yeah, things are like I, your... The point is, is there are a lot of other things than those four things too that people can use as a stand-in and think, oh, this isn't as big of a deal because it's not one of those four things. No, for sure. But those four things are the ones that are going to release like the most dopamine hit at one time. That doesn't mean they're the only four things that are addictive. That's a good point. So your brain releases this huge hit of dopamine... And for that moment, you feel good, whether that is doing drugs or drinking alcohol or looking at pornography or going shopping or exercising or eating, whatever the addiction is. And then later on, after that feeling good or that high has worn off, you something happens, you feel sad and you want to use again or do whatever the addiction is. So this is part of the addiction cycle. The first step in it is pain. So let's talk about pain. What could someone's pain be that they want to use an addiction to cover up? Um, problems at home. Maybe your parents fight a lot, so it causes yeah. you pain. Yeah, it could be emotional pain. Okay. What about physical pain, do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you've got a nagging, I don't know, uh, back injury, let's say, you know, so, something that's going to cause a longevity of pain that isn't easily taken care of in your body. Yeah, trauma. 
trauma it, trauma is a huge source of pain that a lot of addicts have had. They have some sort of trauma they haven't coped with yet or are trying to cope with, but with addiction, that's not a healthy way to cope with it. And they want to escape that. So do you think all the pain, though, is real that an addict might feel? Oh, I think they definitely believe they're feeling the pain that they feel. I think the main, your, your brain, when it finds an outlet, it will create scenarios to get what it needs. It'll make your nerves feel things that it's not really feeling or whatever so that you then react in a way that you normally would so that your brain can release that dopamine. Exactly. And this is especially with drugs. Um, the person will feel a real or imagined pain. So like he said, your brain might be like, hey, whoa, I haven't had this drug yet today and I need it. And so maybe you start feeling pain in your leg and your leg starts really hurting and you're like, oh, I need to get rid of this physical pain by taking this drug. And does that mean that the person's not really feeling the pain? No, they are, but it's not a real pain. A lot of people who get off of drugs say, oh, wow, I'm actually not in the amount of pain that I thought I was. Yeah, it's, well, and I think really what you're talking about, and it isn't just this, but one of the biggest um, culprits of all this is addiction to pain medication. Yeah. Um, I mean, pain medication leads to other things typically, but people can get addicted to pain medication and not even intend to, right? I mean, like, imagine mm -hmm. you're in a car accident and you tweak your spine and it hurts and you can't get relief from it because there's a lot of nerves that go up and down your spine and into your legs and up into everywhere else. And if you get, an, you get a nerve that kind of is twinged or tweaked or whatever, it's going to send pain receptor or pain feelings up and down your body, whatever they're called. I guess Dr. Jess here can, uh, she's not really a doctor. I'm right? not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but she can, she can tell you what it is because she teaches this stuff. But um, then you take medicine for it. Then it goes away. Then it comes back. So you take more. Then it goes away and it comes back and you take more. And you're treating medication or you're treating this pain um with with those medications and then it just becomes a habit a, hab a habitual habit which becomes a you know an addictive behavior over time yeah and it doesn't even have to be something as severe as that it can be getting your tonsils out yeah it could be a getting toothache. an injury in sports a toothache how long does it take do you remember when you're on pain meds, like, is it like five five days or something like that that can actually start an addiction? It can, yes. That doesn't mean for everyone, but it can. That's why it's so important if you are on medication, especially pain medication, that you are responsible and your parents, like maybe they have the medicine and they give it to you because it really is so, so addictive that without even knowing, someone can get addicted to it. Well, and also something that you should know Pain medication is not like antibiotics. No. Antibiotics, you take them till they're done. You don't take pain meds until they're done. Not always. Well, not always, but like if you if you have pain, like for example, okay, look, I've you know I've had root canals before, and they give you a bottle of like thirty pills, and I've only needed like five. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if I can you imagine if I would have taken all thirty pills, I you know I I wouldn't have needed to. There was no need for it. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, so just like making sure you aren't taking more than you need. Yeah, it's And important. someone just to check in with you can really help. Even now, if I have pain medicine, I give it to Nate. And yeah. he is the one that gives me the medicine. She doesn't give it to me and like I take it. It's I hide it, I manage it, I put it aside. Exactly. But he is the one that manages it. And I'll say, okay, it's time for it, but I don't want to not be thinking clearly and take too much. I I just don't ever want to risk that because my family addiction runs in my family and my dad was an addict and it was really hard. It was really, really hard growing up with that. He was an addict for almost 30 years. A long years. time. 
a long, long time. And he's had ups and downs and ups and downs. And I, I can speak for this because um, I've actually known Jess's dad almost as long as she has, <laughs> which is a interesting situation. But he's had a lot of ups and downs. Um, he's gotten off of it. He's come clean. He's gone to programs. He's gotten back on it. He's come clean. He's gone to programs. Um, and, and it's happened a lot over the last years and years and years. Yeah, so I never want to risk addiction because I know the pain that it can cause to everyone else around me. Well, yeah, it really isn't a fun thing. And this is, you know, talking about, you know, pain meds and things. Just remember, again, it's not just things like that. Like, you can be addicted to video games, um, especially, I think, now. How about how about your phone, for example? Oh, yeah. I mean, like... We take we we uh, we have a couple teenagers take our teenagers' phones away, and it's like you destroyed their whole entire life. They can't go a half an hour without their phone. And it's like we took their air away and their food and all things good in their life are now destroyed. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily addicted to your phone, or even that our kids are, but I'm addicted to my phone. Let's think. Let's think about it for a minute. Can you go a day, a whole day, put your phone away, take off your Apple Watch if you've got one, no connection, and go a whole day without checking it at all? And then right now you're probably thinking, well, this person won't be able to get a hold of me, or this person, or this person, or this person. When I was in high school, um, I remember I had friends, they'd say, okay, I'm going to call you tonight at 7.30, make sure you're home. Mm-hmm. Um, or I used to have you know, a set amount of phone numbers memorized. Where I live, the town that, that I grew up in, um, you know, there was the prefix, um, and all those numbers and the phone number, we would just remember the last four digits because the first three digits, uh, maybe it was three, seven, three or whatever was always the same. Everyone had that. So we just had to remember the last four digits, which is really cool. Cause I remember in one of my towns, it was the same thing. And so when people would ask you for your phone number, you would just say like four, zero, eight, two. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. they would know, we didn't even have to type in area codes. No, back then there was no area codes either. And and, and Where were, were if you were calling out of state. Yeah, for out of state but, for sure. But in state, you didn't have to dial. There, there wasn't more than one area code. Now, what, what here, there are three different area codes now. In Utah? Yeah. Yeah. 801-435-385, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was quite interesting. Okay, so what was... I forgot where you were going with oh, that. Oh, well, so the point was, it's just oh, phones. Oh, addictions to phones. Yeah. I, you probably are addicted a little bit more than you think. Um, like, I, I love driving down the road. Well, it's it's just hilarious to look over and see how often you can see, you know, how, like, how many people in this car is going to have their phone. Um, hopefully, you don't see a lot of drivers, but guess what? You still do. Mm-hmm. I also find it funny to go out to, like, Jess and I, we try to go out to dinner um, or on a date at least once a week. Um, and I, I try, well, I don't try, but it's funny to look around a restaurant and just see how many times you can get a whole table staring at their phone or see a whole table staring at their phone. It's like you're out with people and you're on your phone. Yeah. I love the game. You guys should definitely try this if you're going out with friends where you all put your phones in the middle of the table and they are face down so you can't see them or in your pockets either way. And then, and you can't have like smart watches on either. And the first person to reach for their phone or grab their phone has to pay for the meal for everyone. <laughs> I love it. It'd be so hard because our brains are wired. They did a study on this that when we get a notification, when we hear it or when we feel it, if it's on silent, our brain actually gets a little hit of dopamine. It makes us excited, like, Oh, who texted me or, oh, did someone comment on my Instagram or like my picture or send me a snap or what a TikTok video. And I'm trying (laughs) to say all the popular things. Um, But our brain actually gets a little hit of dopamine and a little bit of cortisol, which is our cause for stress very fascinating so we're a little bit stressed like we need to check this and we're a little bit happy that we got a notification so our brain really is wired to check our phones 
when we get a notification. Well, and then there's also the phantom notifications. Right? Oh my gosh, all you, the time. I swear I feel all the time. You think you heard a ring or you think you felt a vibration. That's your brain getting you to check your phone because it wants that dopamine hit, right? Mm -hmm. or, <laughs> or you can turn your phone, your ringer on on purpose and go in the middle of a crowded area and make sure that your ringer goes off and just see how many people <laughs> check their phone. Oh, have you ever done that? It's funny. It's funny. Especially if you have an iPhone and you just pick a generic iPhone ringer. Mm -hmm. Everyone, some, Somebody's going to have it, right? Yeah, it's true. So um, it, it's interesting. Just just, just take note of it. Like, And it, it's not just your phones. Um, I, I've seen a lot of couples with uh, you know previous students, things like that, um, where typically it's the male, right? Who are pretty addicted to, to gaming. Like their time every day from this time to this time is when they game. Or how about at nighttime um, when, and everybody knows somebody like this, I think, right? Where you've got a sibling or a boyfriend or girlfriend or something, largely boyfriends, girls don't tend to get in games as much. They still do though. They still do, but it's just not as common. Um, where they're like, okay, hey, we need to leave at nine. And they're like, okay, I'll be done. And they're not done. Or, hey, you know, we need to go get off of that. And okay, give me one minute. And it's 45 minutes later. I mean, Jess can tell you, like, I, I play games. I don't play them a lot. But even, so I wouldn't say that I'm addicted to my gaming console. But uh, for some reason, your brain gets used to, because it releases, it's, it's a slow release of dopamine when you're gaming. Um, this is actually proven by science, by medicine. It's actually pretty high release of dopamine. Well, like you're still getting it. I see it, what you're it saying by over slow. Time. Yes, but it's a lot of it, like a big hit of dopamine. Where well, they use it. They use it in burn centers, right? They like if kids are in constant pain, they have them play video games because it helps them take their mind off of the yeah, pain. Yeah, video games can be very beneficial. They can, but they also can be very addictive and harmful. Yeah, no, for sure. Just depending, and, and a lot of things can, just depending on how you're using it right yep so one thing that i wonder is is what do you what do you do how like this is kind of the question how do you how do you get away from addiction like how do you avoid it how do you avoid it or how do you how do you avoid it how do you recover from it recover. and some of these things are minor addictions um you, we can talk about you know pornography as an addiction because mm -hmm. whether you want to admit it or not um and this is not just a, a Utah thing. Like it's it's a thing all over the world. Pornography is actually horribly addictive. Yeah, um, and very it's, harmful. It's probably don't they say it's more addictive than heroin? I think I've heard that before. I think I've heard that too. But um, so how, how how do you take something that's so addictive, drugs, alcohol, um, pornography, whatever, and try to make it not be addictive? Like what do you do? I think your first step is to prevent from being around it with those really harmful things. I mean, we're not going to prevent being around video games well, so, so hold up. Back, and on our phone. I'm okay. going to interrupt. Back okay. up just a little bit. Your first step should be to admit you have a problem. No, you didn't say. Right. But that, you that, didn't say if you're addicted. You said to prevent getting addicted. Oh, well, no, no, no. To, to stop having that addiction. Oh, okay. Well, why don't we talk about first? Oh, well, we'll, how to prevent we'll talk about prevention. It. Okay, so how do you and prevent getting you addicted do, yeah. to? Well, we kind of talked about pain pills, mm -hmm. drugs. Like you just don't do them. Guys, don't do drugs. I mean, if you, if you don't if, do it, if you never do it, you can't get addicted. And I've like how many stories have you heard? Because you teach this stuff. I've heard them too. Like you know, through um, those drug programs at mm -hmm. elementary schools and things, where you get somebody who has never done drugs in their entire life. They try them one time get addicted and ultimately have died from them, right? Yeah. Um, so just don't do them. Alcohol is the same thing, mm -hmm. especially if you look back in your family and you're like, oh, my dad was an, alcohol, an, an alcoholic or my mom. Or If it runs in your family, it's also more likely for it to be an issue for you. So that's something that you should think about. Um, and pornography, pornography is so hard because the world doesn't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. And they don't necessarily look at it alcohol is a bad thing either but the difference is is if, I, if i'm an alcoholic i just don't go anywhere where there's alcohol but pornography is everywhere 
You have yes. it on your phone. You have it on an Apple Watch. You have it in your email. I mean, if you've ever signed up for a sweepstakes, your email gets sold to anything and everything out there, and you probably get some kind of smutty junk mail at some point. It's like you're getting it everywhere. Yeah, and even accidental seeing it, you know, when you <laughs> yeah. don't even want to see it. I can't tell you how many times that's happened where I'm just searching for an image to put on my Google slide and it's like, what, what is this? You know? So that one's a hard one. Pornography is hard because it's so available to people and just everywhere. It really is. That's the issue with it. Everywhere. So how, how do we prevent that? And the natural body is going to have, which we're going to get a little bit into like puberty and hormones. So sorry if this makes you a little squeamish, but maybe you're listening with your parents, then it might be real awkward. Just kidding. I don't know if anyone's listening with their parents. But your natural body. Our parents listening with their kids. Yeah, maybe. Um, they, Your body's going to release hormones. And the main hormone that gives us sexual urges or the desire to be with someone else physically is going to be testosterone. Totally normal. I mean, it's a normal thing because we want to create relationships with people. We want to get married and love someone and have kids and all of that. And that testosterone helps that. Now, when you're a teenager and you're going through puberty, your body is going to release a ton of different hormones that you are not used to. So all of a sudden, you're 11, 12, <laughs> all, all 13 sudden. years old, and you're starting to having these feelings, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> Something that I used to think was gross, like making out with someone, I do. I want to make out with someone now. Oh, my heavens. And that's normal. And I was back here laughing because we literally have a teenager who just turned 13. And watching their behaviors and their emotions, and they're really just being uber sensitive to everything. (laughs) Overnight, it's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? It is amazing just seeing those changes. And they happen. And you think it's not going to happen to me or it hasn't happened to me, or it didn't happen to me. It did. Trust me, it did. I mean, think back to when you were six years old and people had cooties and, ew, gross, don't kiss in front of me. And now all of a sudden you're like, wait, I want to kiss. I want to make out. I want (laughs) to touch someone and see someone. That's normal. That is a normal desire to have. Now, what you do with that. Exactly. It's a normal feeling. It is. It's a normal feeling. And what you do with that, that's what's important because if you start doing physical things like being sexually intimate at a young age, it can cause problems later on. And we're going to have a whole podcast on sex. We are. At some point. At some point. Not yet, but we are. We have a good friend when we do this who, uh, well, she's a a medical expert, so we are going to have her help help us with that episode. Okay, so with that though, teenagers are starting to have these desires and these wants and then up pops something on the internet that they see and that can make them feel those feelings a little more. And our body, like we should be feeling that because it's gonna help us in relationships later on. But with pornography, they're getting that feeling from pornography which is going to cause confusion confusion later on in life because they're creating a relationship, I guess, with something that is not real rather than connecting with a real person. Well, they're also creating a false sense of what somebody is or somebody looks like or what sex is or whatever. For sure. And look, what you see and how things really are that's just not how it is. It's not realistic. Yeah, if you're, what he's meaning is like if you're looking at pornography 
or even just even even just um, you think about ads uh, that pop up, ads or or, or just no. models that are modeling mm-hmm. dinnerware, so, so some kind of dress or whatever. They're still touched up. What what was it like? An average of like six hundred times before it's actually posted. It's a lot. You're seeing somebody who isn't really even a real person. Like there was that argument too, or the analogy that if Barbie were a real person she wouldn't be able to survive because the dimensions of like her torso with her neck or whatever. I mean, I'm yeah. just paraphrasing, but her body, the, the the measurements aren't realistic. It's not possible. Yeah, and that's the hard thing, especially with pornography, is because people get in their mind what something is supposed to be or people are supposed to look at, look like, and then they have relationships later on and it's not real. It's not like that. So it does cause other problems in the future, which I mean, we don't need to spend this whole time talking about that. Maybe that will be a topic another day, but it is, it is, and it's very addictive. So just staying away from it or, I mean, that's that's hard because it's everywhere. But if you see it, like call it as it is, Hey, that helps. That's pornography. That's not enough though. So if you're alone with this, um, I heard an analogy once that said that um, fighting a pornography addiction is like, and, in, and if you're trying to end it, is like trying to um, fight a battleship in a rowboat. Um, the point is, is you have to take other measures. It's not enough just to say, okay, I'm just not going to look at it. It's also not enough just to say, okay, I'm going to shut off you know, my phone or I'm going to have filters or whatever. And you should have those things. I'm talking about before it becomes an addiction, how well, to prevent it. Well, yeah, All so those filters things for sure are fantastic before it's an addiction, like calling it as it is. Well, even after it becomes an addiction, you still have to do yeah. those things. Yep. But, um, but I guess that's a good question though. What is pornography then? Well, the definition of pornography is something that causes arousal in someone. So, but that's not really the worldly definition but w- we so, think of. But if you call it what it is, then what is the definition of pornography? Something that causes arousal in Which someone. Could that could mean... be a book. That could be a poster. That could be someone in a swimsuit. That could be a bunch of different things. You know, it's going to vary for certain so, people. Like seeing someone, for me, like seeing a girl in a bikini, whatever. It's just a girl in a bikini. But for someone else, that might be more to and, them. And that's not to say girls don't wear bikinis. No. That's because this is a normal part of life. That's to say if you're in a situation and you see something or someone that causes arousal, you need to become aware of those feelings and then call it like it is. Like, okay, this is something that I need to be aware of. And if it's something you want to avoid, then change what you're doing. Change what you're looking at. Change something, but get out, out of that get out of that situation that you're in, or don't. That's your decision, but that's your that's a sign. That's a really major sign that you're going to have right at the beginning. Yeah, and you just have to be really overly aware of. Okay, this is causing problems for me, and whether it's anything, whatever the addiction is, like let's say it's video games. You're playing video games and. You enjoy playing Fortnite, right? I think Fortnite's dying, but then... Fortnite, my guy. Well, Well, that was... Yeah, cracked at Fortnite, my guy, right? Apparently, that's so old. Apparently, and I'm not supposed to say it to my 13-year-old anymore. He gets so mad. It's hilarious. (laughs) It's hilarious to say it, to watch him get mad. (laughs) Anyway, let's say you're playing video games, and it's a good thing. It's a de-stressor. You come home from school... You sit and play video games, and then you do your homework and do your chores. Great. Well, being aware of it, maybe it starts turning into playing longer video games, and you start skipping your homework. And then maybe your parents get mad and say, you can't do that. So you start playing video games after they've gone to bed, and you stay up all night and sleep in class. You need to be aware of those things that are harming you and really be honest with yourself. Because I know sometimes we don't want to admit when something has become problematic to us, but that is going to help you so much in your life. Hey, this is not good for me. I remember being 
nine years old and I would go home and I would watch Spongebob and a show called Cat Dog, which I don't even know why they don't have Cat Dog. Do you, do you ever remember Cat Dog? I remember Cat Dog. Super annoying, actually. Yeah, but I would go home. Worse than Spongebob. Oh, I don't know if it was worse than Spongebob. I think it was. And I would sit in front of the TV, like right in front of it, and watch. Like anybody does. Not me anymore. Okay. So our, anyway, yeah, so anyway. I would sit and watch it for a few hours before my mom got home. And I started noticing I got really bad headaches that made me really tired. Okay, I was nine years old realizing this. And that really changed the way like I live now. I cannot play games on a console or on my phone. I can't sit and watch TV all day. It just gives me a headache and makes me feel like crap. She won't even play Mario Kart with us. I'll play Mario Kart. No, not really. I have for about before. F- for about five minutes. Okay, I'm done with this. Video games are not my jam. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay, right? Yeah, we do other things. I like board games. Uh, long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Take me to the beach. But, yeah. You just have to be really aware and honest with yourself. And that's hard, especially if you're getting into an addiction. But being honest with yourself, once you are in addiction, that's the first step. Like admitting you have a problem. Well, and again, it's easy to tell when you have a problem. If it's starting to cause issues, like with time management, for example, Mm -hmm. then you've got a problem. If you're not getting enough sleep at night, then you've got a problem. And like, I mean, I, I, I've sat through um, teaching classes, and especially in first period, right? How many kids can't stay awake? What do you do if a kid can't stay awake? What do I do? Uh-huh. You probably don't know, know what I do. If a kid can't stay awake in my class, I mean, I warn them about this, okay? Fair warning, but it's like, look, if you, if you need to sleep and it's just so dire that you need to sleep, and again, this is probably not the best, and maybe I'll get fired for saying this, I don't know. But no, in reality, I'm just like, fine, I'll let you sleep. And I'll let him sleep. And I let him sleep. And I let him sleep. It's happened twice in my career where I had a student fall asleep in first period. She woke up in third period. I had a, stu- a student fall asleep in seventh period. They woke up at 430. I'll let you sleep. Yeah, I mean, if you really need sleep that bad because you're not getting it at home, I don't need It's do that. only happened twice. Um, kids don't fall asleep in my class. I think usually my class is pretty, I, I look, I teach history. Jess would not agree with this, but I'm actually pretty entertaining. I think. Ugh, history is so boring. Well, she never took my class. That's why they fall asleep in your class. But they don't. They it's don't only fall hap- asleep in my class. In seven years, it's only happened twice. Just kidding. Kids will. And I well, it's because she puts a dog shock collar on them, oh on all of her gosh. students. No, I don't. And hits that button when they walk in the door. Do not spread that rumor about me. No, she doesn't. I sing them songs. She to has wake a cattle prong. She pokes them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, "Wakey, wakey!" But I really will. Like I'll sing them a song. It's really fun. There's one teacher who has them stand up in the back of the class, and makes them stand the whole time. Well, so uh, my, my, anyway, my problem get with sleep, stuff guys. like that is, is if you have a student do that, they're not really learning anything. No. They're learning that they hate you because you're making them stand up at the back of the class because they can't stay awake. Like, they're not hey, going to, if, if they're tired, they're not going to pay attention anyway. So. You, but yeah, you have to notice, like, are things, and this doesn't really go for just addictions, but are things in general, um, causing you to not be healthy, like not get enough sleep, not have good relationships with friends and family, not have you do your homework or your responsibilities or take care of yourself, then it's an issue and it's good to figure it out soon before it becomes an addiction. Yeah, that's true. And some other things that you need to look for is you need to look for what caused you to play that in the first place. So like, let's say... You go home, first thing you do is drop your bags off at the front door and start playing a video game. Is it the fact that you just couldn't wait to play a video game that made you do that? Or did you have a stressful day? Mm-hmm. Or did somebody say something mean? Or there are triggers for these things. So it's actually vitally important for you to recognize that you have that, you know, that potential issue. But then you also have to find how what triggers it, what starts it, right? Yeah, and so now I'm, it's like the initial 
pain. So it could be just having a stressful so, day. Yeah. So what, what is the pain that caused it? So that when you have that happen in the day, then you know, okay, I've got a potential situation coming up where I'm going to go and do this thing. How can I avoid that now? Um, so I guess we're kind of getting into the addiction part. Like how, how do you avoid addiction? What do you do for help if you're addicted? And how do you help someone who's addicted? Who's addicted? And that is a lot to go over. But we'll try. So here we go. All right. So if you have an addiction, we our hope would be that one day you can live in the world with that substance or thing, whatever it is, and you can live as normally as possible. So if that's like video games, your hope would be that later on in life, people can play video games around you and it's not going to be a big deal. But in the beginning, sometimes that's not very realistic and you need to avoid it. Well, yeah, so it's a, it, so I, I've been addicted to, to various things before, you know, so I heard an analogy. It's a bar of soap analogy. analogy. Imagine you're in the shower and you're holding a bar of soap, which a lot of you may not even know what a bar of soap is anymore, right? Just kidding. But <laughs> it seems like we just have, you know, liquid soaps and things all the time. Bars of soap seem more, more rare. But you got a bar of soap in the shower. Are you going to squeeze the bar of soap? Well, if you do, what's going to happen, right? It's going to go flying out of your hands. So in order to deal with that bar of soap, you need to learn to hold it, palm up gently in your hand so it doesn't fall on the ground. That's the analogy of if you know you have an issue, you have to learn to deal with that issue. Um, but you can't afford to just grab onto it and, and hope that it doesn't get away because it's going to get away every time. Yeah, so you, but in the beginning, like setting, if it's with technology, setting timers, filters, um, having someone be like your person that holds you accountable for things. <laughs> having someone you can talk to that is so important. Guys, look, that right there was the one thing that helped me the most. Having somebody that held me accountable, having somebody that I could talk to, that I could check in with. And, and like, if you look at a, an alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous program, um, that's the biggest thing. Like they have a sponsor, mm -hmm. somebody that checks in with them and makes sure that they're okay. Um, that person is the person that they, that they go to when or if they slip up again with alcohol or, or whatever. So you've got to have somebody that you can confide in. And oftentimes, um, this needs to be somebody who is responsible, who is going to hold you responsible, and typically is going to be somebody that you would look up to. And so a lot of the times, um, a friend may not actually fit in here. Usually, uh, like for example, again, using the Alcoholics Anonymous um, idea, a sponsor in that situation is oftentimes somebody who is a recovering alcoholic themselves. And when I say recovering, if you are addicted to something, you have to consider yourself always in recovery because you're always going to have the ability to fall back on that if you aren't careful. That addiction's never going to necessarily go away. You just get better at learning to handle the situation. So having somebody who understands where you're coming from, that is a good person to have as your sponsor. Yeah, you want to have someone, or your, though, your person. that's like really strong in your life. Yeah. You want someone that's going to be there and care about you. And if you feel like you need to be that person for someone, just be careful because it can be very emotional. And if it starts taking a wear on your mental health, you may need to step back and not be that person for a while because you still have to take care of your mental health. And that's why we say a friend may not be the best idea. Friends are great and they can help a lot, but oftentimes when they're dealing with school and work and their own family and everything going on and they're a teenager and they're trying to help you or if you're the person trying to help someone, that's a lot to deal with. Agreed. And adults probably have seen more and have well, better ways usually, to help. Usually in this situation, the person that you're looking for, if you've got a a teenage kid who's addicted to something, it's 
usually going to be a counselor, a, a therapist, something like that that's going to help you. So yeah. you can talk to school counselors. You can talk to actually get some therapy. It's also not necessarily the best idea to make your parents your main person. Not always, in some instances. And, be, and the reason being is because your parents love you and they love you a lot. So when you slip up, it's really, really hard for a parent to not approach that with some frustration or anger. And if they do, it's gonna cause you to further have issues. So it's better to have another party, somebody who doesn't have necessarily the same connection, but is a respected or trusted adult that you can still go to that is going to approach the situation a little bit different. I'm not telling you like if you have an addiction to not tell your parents, but if you're gonna have a person it might be better, you, you'd you have to judge this, I guess, for yourself, but it might be better just to you know, go talk to a school counselor or ask to get into therapy because those professionals can help. Yeah, but if it's a harmful, like if, addictions if, are harmful, so most often the counselor is going to have to talk to your parents anyway. And I think that's important, keeping your parents in the loop so they can help out wherever they can because in the home is often where it starts like if I found out that one of my kids was addicted to pornography, it'd be very helpful for me to know. And I'm not going to be mad, but I'm going to try to help them with the tools that they need in my home, like not having a phone at night or not having access to unlimited websites. Parents can be a really big resource, but I think they should be involved in the process. But you get to ultimately choose who you want your person that you are accountable to to be yeah no and again just don't do it alone if you have an addictive um behavior whatever don't go through that alone if you do talk to someone it's if if you if you do it alone you're not going to be able to get away from it It, it, it's going to consume your life and talking to someone really is the first step because you're admitting that there's something wrong and people love you, they wanna help you, they want to be there for you, and this addiction, like you, the whole cycle of an addiction cycle is pain, so we've talked about that, the need to act out, you want whatever it is that makes you feel good. Then you act out, whatever that is, you do whatever your addiction is, then you feel good for a little bit, that's the temporary relief, but then you have consequences from acting out, and that could be feeling ultra guilty, feeling alone, it could be being sick, whatever the consequences are, and that can lead back to pain. So if you're feeling really guilty about what you're doing, then you're going to want some relief from that guilt, and it's a continuous cycle. So once you tell someone and can get that off your chest, then it's going to feel so much better and give you some hope. Yeah, um, it breaks that cycle. Again, I, I, I want to reiterate, I'm not telling you guys to not include your parents in this situation. I, I really wanna reiterate that. I'm not telling you to hide it from your parents. Your parents can be a wonderful resource. Just know that if you include them, the way that they feel about you can greatly impact their emotional side of their brain. And that can make them react in a way that may not be helpful. Um, and it's just because they love you. So that, again, don't hide it from them, talk to them about it. but. Like, 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 like Jess said, you get to decide who your person is. I, I just really want to highlight that again. Yeah, and all parents are different. You know your parents. You know how they react. You know. Yeah, but you got to break that cycle. you got to get out of the cycle and, and, and start a new path. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it can be anything. But if you feel like you're addicted to something or you're, you're struggling or whatever, sit down and, 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 and write a pros and cons list. I mean, we talk, we've talked about this before, they help. But like, if you can show that something, your phone, whatever, is actually taking away from your life, is actually causing problems in your life, um, then you might just have an addiction or the ability for an addiction to start there. So it's good to be preemptive and try to prevent that from getting worse. Yeah. Just being aware of you and being super honest with yourself. Yeah, for sure. And again, like if and if you have somebody that is in this situation and you know it, and they don't want help and they don't need help, they do, but they think they don't. Like, what do you do? 
Because Jess, you've you've dealt with this. Like, what have you done over the years with your dad? You know, to to help his situation. Um, oof. I I mean, I try to help, and I love him, but I also it gets to a point that I have to protect myself and my kids. And that was really, that was hard for me. Like I, for a while, I wouldn't let my dad drive my kids around. And I felt really bad about that because I knew it made him sad. He is an amazing person. He's an amazing grandpa. Grandkids are his life. Yes. And I knew that really hurt him, but I have to protect my kids. I'm their mom and I have to protect them. And so I'm there and I love him, but I also have to protect myself and my kids from emotional pain that can cause. And that was hard. And so it just took a lot of thought on my part and... Nate's my person, so I could talk to him. And just making sure that I was there and loved my dad and encouraged him. And when he went to, like, a rehab program a year ago, a year and three months ago, then I was there supporting him, but I was also very open and honest with him about my feelings when I felt that he was in a place to hear them. Yeah. Um, So I think... I think the key thing that she said there, guys, is love the person still. Um, But don't love the person to the point that it's causing you to have problems in your life. Like there has to be, there has to be guidelines. There has to be a barrier there that allows you to live your life, um, but you can still love them. And sometimes you have to love from afar. Yep. Um, And sadly enough, you kind of have to wait for that person to need help or to realize that they need help before you can really do anything. And I know that that sounds harsh, but like we've tried this. We've tried talking. Um, there were interventions that were had with, with Jess's dad, for example, where uh, and we did that how many times? Three times or so where we all sat down with him and he wasn't ready to hear it. He, he wasn't ready to make the change. He had to come to that decision on his own. So all you can do is you, you can try to talk to the person. You can try to be there, but do so from a position of love, not judgment. And, and, and they may take it either way. But if you're consistently there and you're consistently helping them feel like you love them, when the time comes, when push really comes to shove and they're really realizing there's an issue, guess who they're going to come to for help? Yeah. But you have to be patient with yourself and with them. So. Yeah. Yep, be patient with yourself. All right. Well, if you have more questions, though, about addiction, it's a huge topic. We could spend hours and hours on it. For real. Please email us at... Oh, yeah, it's realadvice, number four, teens, at gmail.com. And also, you know, Jess is the Insta queen over here, I guess. <laughs> uh, at least it, it, at least for our podcast. Um, so she's, she, you know, there, there's Instagram and yeah, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Anyway, have a good week guys.